Welcome to the Audacity to Podcast, Episode 63, Stop Online Privacy Act versus Blogging and Podcasting. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Audacity to Podcast. This is a how-to podcast about podcasting and using Audacity. I'm your host, Daniel J. Lewis, here to give you the guts and teach you the tools to podcast with passion, organization, and dialogue. And today, boy, I've got something controversial today because I am actually getting into politics today. No, not like who should be the next president or uh, what I think of certain political campaigns, but a policy that is submitted by a Texas Republican that I think could be very dangerous to bloggers and podcasters. And so we will examine that. Now, last time I mentioned that I would be approaching this, and that is the Stop Online Piracy Act. Last episode, I mentioned that I would cover this and I asked for some feedback ahead of time. I received a few tweets. Some people said that they thought it would be the end of blogging and podcasting. Some thought it was just bad news for bloggers and podcasters. Others said any more legislation is not a good idea. Legislating the internet shouldn't be done. And one of the other questions I asked in the last episode is, what are you planning to do in 2012 to improve your podcast? Or maybe are you planning to start a podcast? And this email, which ties into our main topic too, came in from Nolan. And Nolan said, just wanted to start off saying thank you for doing what you do so I can start doing what I want to do. Podcast. I have spent a few months listening and taking notes on past episodes, along with the School of Podcasting ones. By the way, that's over at schoolofpodcasting.com. My friend Dave Jackson over there, he's a great guy, has a great... uh, bunch of podcasts about podcasting too. So I could make a decent start on my podcast. And though I feel I did a decent first ever podcast, I have a long way to go. Anyway, you wanted to hear some things I plan on doing to improve my podcast beyond my maiden episode. Number one, better audio equipment. Should be here by the end of the week. And so by now, this was about a week ago that he sent this. He has his new audio equipment. I checked out his blog, which by the way is over at mishmashblastpodcast.com. And it looks like he has his new equipment and he's playing with that and having success with it. That's great. Number two, get a co host. Should be Skyped in for the next episode. And number three, work on content have plenty of ideas, now just to flush them out and make them a reality. I have a vision for my podcast, just need to clean my glasses a bit. That is great to hear, Nolan, that you have an idea of where you want to go with your podcast this year, and all of those are very attainable. And working on your content, just carry your list of ideas around with you if you can, and anytime you get an inspiration for those ideas, write it down or record it in some kind of way. Leave a voicemail for yourself if you have to. Text yourself or something. As far as SOPA goes, that's the Stop Online Piracy Act. I love his illustration here. He says, it would be like cooking a marshmallow with a flamethrower. Would accomplish what is wanted, 
by a few, but with massive farther reaching damages than envisioned. To sum up, thank you. Working on improving my podcast. Thanks to your advice and encouragement. Mishmash podcast. Mishmash blast podcast.com. And Sopa sucks. <laughs> so thank you very much, Nolan, for sending in that email. And everyone check out Mishmash Blast Podcast over at mishmashblastpodcast.com. And Sopa sucks. That's uh, good wisdom there, maybe. But I do want to talk about this. The Stop Online Piracy Act that is still yet to be actually voted on has some some interesting things about it. It has some positives and some negatives to it. And to help explain it just a little bit more, I'm going to refer to a video. This is off of Vimeo.com, and I saw this via Lifehacker. And by the way, I'll have this video in the show notes at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash 63, as well as a link to the Lifehacker article where this appears. But this video explains the Stop Online Privacy and Piracy Act. I'm going to make that glitch several times as well as it explains the Protect IP Act, which the two are very similar. And this video, I'll warn you, is a little bit apocalyptic. And I think he exaggerates a little bit too much in it. But it does still communicate pretty well what could potentially be a problem with SOPA. The Internet is one of the United States' most robust and growing industries. It enables free and open communication among billions, and it's been the backbone for protests around the world. But a new bill proposes we give the power to censor the Internet to the entertainment industry. It's called Protect IP, and here's how it works. Private corporations want the ability to shut down unauthorized sites where people download movies, TV shows, and music. Since most of these sites are outside U.S. jurisdiction, Protect IP uses a couple different tactics within American borders. Firstly, it gives the government the power to make U.S. Internet providers block access to infringing domain names. They can also sue U.S.-based search engines, directories, or even blogs and forums to have links to these sites removed. Secondly, Protect IP gives corporations and the government the ability to cut off funds to infringing websites by having U.S.-based advertisers and payment services cancel those accounts. In a nutshell, that's what Protect IP will try to do. But in all likelihood, it'll do something else altogether. For starters, it won't stop downloaders. You'll still be able to access a blocked site just by entering its IP address instead of its name. What Protect IP will do is cripple new startups because it also lets companies sue any site they feel isn't doing their filtering well enough. These lawsuits could easily bankrupt new search engines and social media sites. And Protect IP's wording is ambiguous enough that important social media sites could become targets. Lots of trailblazing websites could look like piracy havens to the wrong judge. Tumblr, SoundCloud, and early YouTube, wherever people express themselves, make art, broadcast news, or organize protests, there's plenty of TV footage, movie clips, and copyrighted music mixed in. And even if you trust the U.S. government not to abuse their new power to censor the net, what about the countries that follow in our path and pass similar laws? 
people around the world will have very different internets, and unscrupulous governments will have powerful tools to hinder free expression. But perhaps most dangerously, Protect IP will meddle with the inner workings of the net. Experts believe by fiddling with the web's registry of domain names, the result will be less security and less stability. In short, Protect IP won't stop piracy, but it will introduce vast potential for censorship and abuse while making the web less safe and less reliable. This is the internet we're talking about. It's a vital and vibrant medium, and our government is tampering with its basic structure so people will maybe buy more Hollywood movies. But Hollywood movies don't get grassroots candidates elected. They don't overthrow corrupt regimes, and the entire entertainment industry doesn't even contribute that much to our economy. The internet does all these and more. Corporations already have tools to fight piracy. They have the power to take down specific content, to sue peer-to-peer software companies out of existence, and to sue journalists just for talking about how to copy a DVD. They have a history of stretching and abusing their powers. They tried to take a baby video off YouTube just for the music playing in the background. They've used legal penalties written for large-scale commercial piracy to go after families and children. They even sued to ban the VCR and the first MP3 players. So the question is, how far will they take all this? The answer at this point is obvious. As far as we'll let them. Since we made this video, Protect IP has gotten much worse and is set up for quick passage. Now, the government and corporations could block any site, foreign or domestic, just for one infringing link. Sites like YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook would have to censor their users or get shut down, since they become liable for everything users post. And ordinary users could go to jail for five years for posting any copyrighted work, even just singing a pop song. So that gives you somewhat of an apocalyptic look at what this could mean for bloggers and podcasters. And at the end of this video, it encourages you, please take action now. Tell Congress not to censor the internet now. Go to fightforthefuture.org slash P-I-P-A. And it's it's a well done video. You've got to see it. Go over to the show notes at the audacity to podcast.com slash sixty-three to see it a little bit. Now there there are a lot of people who have these doomsday perspectives of this. And there are some people who support this. There are some people who have flipped back and forth like GoDaddy on whether they support or oppose this. What's interesting when you look at this is the companies that support the Stop Online Piracy Act are almost all companies that produce major entertainment media. What you won't find in there is a list of individual bloggers and podcasters who produce content as they're supporting SOPA. No, you won't you just don't find that anywhere. What you'll also see are a lot of companies that oppose SOPA are companies that work with the internet, like internet service providers or web hosting companies or domain companies. These are a lot of companies that actually, if if this bill goes into effect, a lot of these companies will have to 
create new positions that they may not be able to afford. It's going to cost these companies a lot of money in order to support this bill and try and administer all of this stuff because they're going to have to have people watching this stuff. And it's it's just not a good idea. And I agree with a lot of people that adding more legislation is not the way to fix a problem that just is making new rules. I remember growing up and uh, my family was kind of known for this when something would happen that I didn't like or someone didn't like there would be a new rule in our family. Like when my sister, my older sister would tease me too much and I'd go to my mom and say, mom, she's kidding me too much. Then my mom would say, okay, new rule, no kidding. And that, that doesn't work just to keep making new rules to try and ban bad behavior. Well, first of all, like the video points out, this is not going to stop online piracy. It's not. That's the thing. No matter what copy protection is put in place, no matter how much regular people are inconvenienced against the products because the products are designed so that they can't be copied, no matter how much of that goes on, there is still piracy. People still figure out a way to work around it. So what's really happening is all of these laws and legislations and policies and software and procedures, all of this stuff that's getting in place to try and stop piracy is only slowing it down in a very small bit. But what it's doing is it's drastically inconveniencing the regular people who have no intent of copying stuff illegally. In fact, I remember seeing a blog post that was in favor of uh, BitTorrents and illegal downloading of movies and such, and it made a comparison to show if you have legally paid for a movie, here's all the junk you have to watch before the movie starts and how many minutes this takes and how many scenes it is before the movie actually starts when you've legally purchased the CD or the 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 movie, the DVD, or Blu-ray. And then it showed what do you get when you download it illegally is you get no ads, no warnings, no trailers. Really, it should be the other way around, but you know that's just not the way this stuff works. So the Stop Online Piracy Act, or SOPA, has been huge news because of what it could mean for the internet. And also, I think this is really important for us content creators, bloggers, podcasters, YouTubers, anyone really who has a presence on the internet could be affected. Major emphasis on the word could. Please keep in mind that as I'm saying these things, a lot of this is speculation and a lot is, like I said, could scenarios. It doesn't mean it will. So don't think that just because you have a Facebook account and you upload something to your Facebook profile that you're suddenly going to go to jail for five years. But this act does open up that possibility that that kind of stuff could be monitored. That doesn't mean it will actually happen. It's just it could. Now, I've actually read SOPA. It's a very boring read, and I will have a link to it in the show notes at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash 63. It's 
it doesn't take too long to read, actually, because it's a very narrow column, double-spaced with double-spaced line uh, lines, and it's in a PDF format that you can download, print, read online, whatever. And I'll have a link to that, like I said. But it starts out with what sounds like a great purpose. It says to promote prosperity, creativity, entrepreneurship, and innovation. That sounds great. By combating the theft of U.S. property and for other purposes. Well, let's approach this with some critical thinking. Since when does combating anything promote creativity, entrepreneurship, innovation, and prosperity? It's it's not the best way to promote those things. Now, I do understand. I'm an artist. I have a musical background. That's what I went to school for is actually I studied music composition. So I know how copyright laws protect artists. And that's good. That is very important. I've done music history studies and have read about how musicians many years ago would have their music stolen and different lyrics put to it or different plays put to their operas and how there was no way to protect against that, that other people would get credit for their work. And it's great that we have this today. I really do think it is important that we have these things because when you create something, do you want someone else copying it, changing it just slightly, and then getting credit for what you created and not even mentioning you at all? That's why we have copyright laws and these copy protection services and different procedures of all of this. But we're easily getting overboard with these things or stuff like Stop Online Piracy Act. So I don't think that this would promote creativity. I think it, unless it's creativity and working around it, SOPA is in ways it's simple and in ways it's complex. It, it, it's, it starts off in section 2.a.1. If you want to look that up yourself, it says, nothing in this act shall be construed to impose a prior restraint on free speech or the press protected under the First Amendment to the Constitution. So they're not looking to try and stop freedom of speech. Could it be used for that? Certainly, yes. But that's not what they're trying to do with this act. So please don't think that that's what they're secretly trying to do. They have it written into this that they are not trying to uh, shut down freedom of speech. But a large portion of SOPA is devoted to giving the U.S. Attorney General jurisdiction against foreign websites. Just think about that for a moment. Giving our government jurisdiction and authority to say what websites in other countries can or can't do. I don't think that's a power our government needs to have. There's this huge section in SOPA that explains all of this. And just the title of it, it's section 102, says, Action by Attorney General to Protect U.S. Customers and Prevent U.S. Support of Foreign Infringing Sites. Now, first of all, all of this stuff about protecting U.S. customers, I really think that is just nonsense. 
Like all of these copy protections nowadays say that, oh, this is protected to ensure to protect you, the customer, and all of it. No, it doesn't protect the customer. It protects the company. Now, there are some things because uh, SOPA actually gets into prescription medications, like whether it would be legal anymore to purchase medications from Canada, for example. And this does address that. This isn't just online digital assets, but it's also stuff that you can purchase and import into the United States. But it's giving the attorney general jurisdiction to influence how these things are run in other countries. Now, it's not that the U.S. can say to another country, shut down this website, or that the U.S. can shut down that website. No, it's not doing that. But what it is doing, let's let's take an example here. There, we'll say there's a Canadian website. I know I've got Canadian listeners, and it's nothing against you guys that I'm saying this, but you're just close, so I picked you. You've got a Canadian website that has some copyrighted material on it. The U.S. government could say that that website infringes on U.S. property, and they can't shut down the website. But what they could do is if that Canadian website uses PayPal, which is a U.S. company, they could seize the funds, not quite seize the funds, but lock the funds so that PayPal would no longer accept payments for that website. Or if that website uses Google AdSense, Google is a U.S.-based company, then this new law could mean that the U.S. government could go after Google and say, stop giving these people ads, stop integrating with their website. They could even go to Google, again, U.S.-based website, and say, block this website, this copyright-infringing website, from search results. That's giving the government just way too much power. Many people have also claimed that SOPA's definitions are rather vague, and having read it, some of it, yes, is vague, some of it, not so much, but I think in the case of when it says foreign infringing sites, and that language appears several times in SOPA, it does seem that SOPA is targeted at those whose primary purpose is distribution of copyrighted materials or discussion of copy protection breaking methods. So when you look at this, I think there is some good intent behind this because as you later read, it says market-based system to protect U.S. customers and prevent, here's the important part, prevent U.S. funding of sites dedicated to the theft of U.S. property. And by the way, I have any of these quotes I'm reading, I do have on the show notes over at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 63. And it is nice that they are wanting to protect the, the property that United States people create from being stolen and illegally distributed outside of the United States. That is nice. But it's not really accomplishing what they're trying to do because they're not actually stopping the copying of this. They're just stopping access to the copyrighted stuff from the United States. So if I was in, uh, in uh, New York 
and I try to go to a website that is blocked by the United States, I could then go across over to Canada and maybe get to that website. Or really, there are much easier ways to get to the website, like just typing in the IP address would work instead of just typing in the domain. So they have a good intent of trying to protect U.S. property from being stolen in countries outside of the United States. But the way that they're doing that is they're protecting the U.S. from getting to those stolen properties. So it's not really protecting the stolen properties at all, just from U.S. people, and that's it. I I really don't think we need this legislation, do you? Um, but let's consider this from a very practical perspective. Fan blogs and podcasts. We'll take, for example, I have the now Once Upon a Time podcast called Once. It's over at oncepodcast.com. By the way, check it out. Leave a rating and review in iTunes, and I'd love you for it. But let's use this as an example, as a fan blog and podcast. It's a blog and podcast about ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. In SOPA, there is language that says a site is primarily designed in explaining what an infringing site is. It says a site is primarily designed or operated for the purpose of, has only limited purpose or use other than, or is, a, or is marketed by its operator or another acting in concert with that operator for use in offering goods or services in a manner that engages in enables or facilitates essentially copyright infringements it it has a lot more than that the copyright infringements i'm summarizing what they say because they refer to several different articles and sections of the united states law and copyright procedures and such so it sounds like they're saying this is a site that is primarily focused on infringing on copyrights okay we can understand that and really you know, that is the moral thing, that these the sites that are purposefully infringing on copyrights, that's not a good thing. But enacting this law, I don't think, is the right way to go about this. But let's look at this from the fan blogger podcast perspective, using oncepodcast.com as an example. I have no intention of once podcast.com being a copyright infringing site with its blog and podcast. But if ABC looks at my site, they could accuse me or any similar site of having the primary purpose of engaging in copyright infringement. Now, I'm, I'm not saying I'm guilty of it. I am not guilty of it. What I've done promotes the show And it's all within fair use because I'm commenting on things. I use sound clips, screenshots, and someday we'll be having video clips as well on the site. So yes, that is copyrighted content and I'm using it on the site, but I'm using it under the exception of fair use. I'm commenting on it, using it for review. That is entirely allowed. But if ABC looks at the site and they say, see that, oh, look, almost every single blog post has copyrighted screenshots from our copyrighted TV show, then they could go after the U.S. and get the attorney general to come after me or someone to come after me and say that my website has a primary purpose of 
infringing on copyrights because I have so many screenshots and sound clips and all of this. I'm not saying that they would, but they could potentially do this. And what it would mean for me as a U.S. citizen is, like the video said, jail time, large fees, just glancing through the SOPA, uh, Stop Online Piracy Act, the actual PDF, it has on their prices like $25,000, $30,000 and years in prison and all of this stuff that could apply to U.S. people who enable this in some way or really even possibly linking to other sites that enable it could mean the website could be shut down, my PayPal could be disconnected, I could be refused from Google AdSense, all of this stuff. So if you have a fan blog or podcast of something, you could be in danger too. Or if you just play any kind of copyrighted content in your podcast under this Depending on how often you do it, you could be tagged as having that as a purpose on your website. It's a lot of it, yes, is vague on how do they, where do they draw the line between what is a primary purpose and such. And like things like once podcast, are they going to say the primary purpose is copyright infringement if they find a lot of copyrighted content on there? You see what I mean? It's, it's very hard to figure out where the lines are on some of these things. What I think is also really bad about this is it's encouraging oversensitivity by internet service providers and domain hosts and search engines and all of these companies that could be affected in this. Because like that video I played said, if you upload a copyrighted video to YouTube, YouTube would be responsible for it. So what this new act would do is hold those companies liable and go after those companies and after you for hosting this stuff. But there's a section in there. Section 104 offers immunity, or actually it might be 204. No, it's it's 104. Offers immunity for these companies if they are willing to take their own actions. The actual title of Section 104 is Immunity for Taking Voluntary Action Against Sites Dedicated to Theft of U.S. Property. So if an ISP willingly goes and removes something or blocks your access to something or YouTube willingly removes a video without telling you, by the way, and you know they won't tell you, they'll just block it and then send you an email afterwards saying, we had to remove this. If they do that, it, it's offering immunity to them for them to get paranoid. So think of this. If a company finds your website and they think you might be infringing and you are hosted with that company, so they would be more interested in going ahead and shutting you down, being proactive in that so that they won't be held liable than offering to work it out with you. Again, I'm not saying this is what will happen, but it is what could happen. And by the way, when these companies are held liable for this and the government contacts them, they only have a five-day deadline to take part in these things of what's technically 
possible, uh, not necessarily financially possible, but they could do many of these other things in order to block a website. Now, I've included several links in the show notes over at the audacitypodcast.com slash 63 of ways that you can educate yourself on Stop Online Piracy Act. First, I really recommend that you read the act yourself. If you really care about it, read it yourself. It's a PDF. Like I said, it really doesn't take that long to read because although it looks like it's a lot of pages, there isn't much text on the pages. But also check out the Wikipedia article, and I will read a couple things from Wikipedia just to give you a better idea of what it has to say about this. Is uh, On Wikipedia, there's a paragraph here that says, uh, Proponents of the bill say it protects the intellectual property market and corresponding industry jobs and revenue and is necessary to bolster enforcement of copyright laws, especially against foreign websites. They cite examples such as Google's $500 million settlement with the Department of Justice for its role in a scheme to target U.S. customers with ads to buy illegal prescription drugs from Canadian pharmacies. Opponents say that it infringes on First Amendment rights, is internet censorship, will cripple the internet, and will threaten whistleblowing and other free speech. Whether all of that is really true, uh, don't know. But one thing that is interesting of this is that first sentence, that it protects corresponding industry jobs and revenue. Here's the thing, and this is a controversial statement here, but that's okay. If you steal a movie, um, you you are not stealing a job from someone. Yes, you're not paying for it, but Hollywood isn't going to stop making movies. They're not going to fire thousands of people saying that, oh, our movies are getting stolen, so we're not going to have as many animators on this project. That's not the way it works. And I know I'm jumping a few steps there to make that conclusion. But some of the things in favor of this, and this comes from the Wikipedia article that I linked to from theaudacitytopodcast.com slash 63, some of the arguments in favor say protecting against or protecting revenues for content creators and protection against counterfeit drugs. Now, again, like I said, this isn't just digital assets. It also has a whole section about counterfeit drugs and medications and such that you might purchase from Canada. Arguments against this, this is a much longer list on Wikipedia. Threat to online freedom of speech, negative impact on websites that host user content, weakening of safe harbor protections for websites, general threat to web-related businesses, threat to users uploading content, threat to internal networks, threat to open source software, ineffectual against piracy, deep packet inspection and invasion of privacy, uh, which that means that basically companies would have to be monitoring what you're doing on the internet in order to know what uh, might be 
being copied and such. Negative impact on DNS, DNS SEC, and internet security. These are backend kind of things. DNS, by the way, is what makes it part of DNS is what makes it when you type in the audacity to podcast.com DNS is what handles where that goes, what website it goes to and such. Like right now it goes to my server on site five. And uh, this lastly, lack of transparency in enforcement. A lot of this, and you should read this, especially this Wikipedia article and read some of these things. And Please approach this with critical thinking because some of this is doomsday. Some of this is written by people who may not have even read SOPA. So please educate yourself on this. Read some of these articles about it. Lifehacker has a couple things as well. They have all about SOPA, the bill that wants to cripple your internet very soon. (laughs) Interesting headline there. And then they do answer the question of why should you care and uh, what can you do about it. And also Lifehacker has another article that gives you the tools that says stay on top of the fight against SOPA slash PIPA with these tools. And what's funny is there are already plugins for Chrome and Firefox and websites and tools that provide workarounds, that if this goes in place, ways that you can still get to these sites that might be blocked or plugins that will find workarounds and all of this. So all of this development is already going on to give you the tools to be able to bypass a law that's going in place to try and prevent this kind of thing. You see what I mean? Putting in another law is not the way to fix this. And we've already seen right now in the chat room, which by the way, I do this live every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern time on noodle.mx slash live. But in the chat room, um, for Georgian, I'm I'm always not sure if I'm pronouncing that name right, but said, uh, pointed out that they already do that. And that is the RIAA. Music companies have access to YouTube. And you see this a lot probably where uh, a YouTube video is taken down because it says DMCA violations, digital DMCA, Digital Millennium Copyright Act violations. And so we already see how the music industry is able to do this. I think a lot of this could be just expanded and made even worse if SOPA is actually enacted. So I really encourage you do not support SOPA. Talk to your congressmen, your legislators, the people in your state, and tell them not to support this. You can explain reasons, whatever, but please educate yourself on it, but don't let the education stop there. Take action. The vote was originally going to be on December 16th, but it's been pushed back now until the politicians come back from winter recess, which is pretty soon. And they will be voting on this soon. So please show your opposition to this. Take action if you believe this is something that should be stopped. So stop, stop online piracy act. And 
Let me know what you think. Now, let me give a disclaimer. I'm not a lawyer. I can't give you legal advice. If you need legal advice, consult a lawyer. That's what they do. So some of what I'm said, I'm sure could be incorrect. And I, if I said something incorrect, please correct me on that. I would highly recommend that you do that on the show notes so that other people can see that too over at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 63. Leave any kind of comment there that uh, you would like to add to this discussion. But if you want to send me some direct feedback or some feedback for the podcast, please send that to feedback at theaudacitytopodcast.com or call the voicemail line 903-231-2221 and I can include that in a future episode perhaps or attribute it or add it to the show notes for this episode. So please check out the show notes over at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash 63. Get these links, watch the video, learn more about this, and then most importantly, take action and encourage others to get educated about this as well, because it's very important that we just not be running around saying the sky is falling, the sky is falling, the internet's falling, the cloud is breaking, nothing's going to work anymore. We need to be educated on this, know why that is, know these things for ourselves, and take action. So I hope this has helped you, uh, encouraged you in some way, and educated you. Like I said, go to the show notes over at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash 63 and check out the links that I have there, including that video. And leave a comment, too. Again, email me feedback at theaudacitypodcast.com or call 903-231-2221. And you can send anything else to that email address and the phone number as well. Any other questions, comments, feedback on other episodes or ideas for future episodes. Please follow me on Twitter at the Ramen Noodle. That's T H E R A M E N N O O D L E. And if you need website design for your podcast or blog or podcast cover art or anything like that, please let me know. I'd love to help you out with that. You can also visit the website podcastcoverart.com to check out that specific service. I've decided since January is my birthday month, and hint, send me presents. No. I will be extending a sale, so the sale price lasts through January for the podcast cover art. Now that I've given you some of the guts and taught you some of the tools, it's time for you to go podcast with passion, organization, and dialogue. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. Thanks for listening. The Audacity to Podcast is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our podcasts on clean comedy, Christian movie reviews with critical thinking, the Once Upon a Time TV show podcast, which has just started over at oncepodcast.com, and more over at noodle.mx. That's the Noodle Mix Network for great podcasts like this one at noodle.mx. The Audacity to Podcast is also a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, It's here. Find more at techpodcasts.com.